Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hey, everybody. Welcome to We're Talking Shift, the podcast where I talk a lot of shift because when we feel stuck, if it's time to level up, rise to a challenge, or make any kind of meaningful, effective, change in our lives, we have to shift. And that process must begin by shifting our thinking. It is the antidote to feeling stuck. Today, Jordan River, who's actually become one of my regular contributing guest experts, is back to talk more about some good health shift with me. Hi, Jordan. It's so good to have you back again. Thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to be back on your show. Thank you. So I was very excited when I got your email and um, you had suggested we talk about three simple shifts that people can do to increase their health and performance, which always gets my attention because that is definitely what my coaching is all about, your health and your performance as a human being. So um, yeah, I was like, let's do it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I know you, uh, you had three kind of main things. Um, you want to start with, uh, what I've found to be very interesting and I've tried this and failed, uh, cold therapy. Let's dive into that one. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, before we get started, I just want to say these are three simple shifts that I'm Mm -hmm. looking to share today, because I mean, everyone knows that you could probably clean up your diet. You could exercise more. These are things that people struggle to do because they're, you know, time consuming. They take a lot of time out of the day. We should do them. And I encourage people to do them. But I'm talking about three really, really simple shifts that will basically take no extra time out of your day, increase your health, increase your performance, increase your wellness, and basically make you feel better all around as a human being. So simplicity Mm -hmm. is key, in my opinion. Is it not, Lori? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Because I think when people feel like, you know, it's going to be too hard, too time consuming, too overwhelming, too complicated, too anything, they are either, you know, completely discouraged from even trying, or they try and they they give up too easily. So I'm all about the simple. And honestly, um, I think that that's a way that when it's simple, I think it's a lot easier for people to incorporate incorporate it into their lives and make it more of just a lifestyle rather than like this major, you know, gigantic Mm -hmm. extreme shift. It's just too hard to maintain. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to go too far down this road, but interestingly enough, on one of my other shows, I just spoke to um, Dr. BJ Fogg, who is a Stanford University professor, and he pioneered a program called Tiny Habits. And it's Mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying, Lori, is you can actually add up these tiny habits and you get little wins through these little, you know, tiny shifts that actually add up into major, major beneficial changes in your life in the the long run. So that's Mm -hmm. exactly right. And and that's that's what we want to do is make these little shifts that are high impact, high leverage moves. That's what I'm all about. I like like it. Why don't we start with cold? Okay. Okay. Cold therapy. And this is a hard sell for a lot of people. I got to tell you, Lori. Oh, I know. It is quite quite challenging. But but I think it's really important to understand the science behind it and understand why it's so beneficial. And then once you get started, it really is quite addicting. So let me take a step back from cold showers, which is what I'm recommending people do (laughs) every single day, and talk first about temperature. There are some fascinating studies that anyone can look up. Um, they, they, they took place over a course of decades, I believe. And these studies were following people who saunaed regularly and those who didn't. And it was specifically focusing, I believe, on a Scandinavian um, test subject group. The studies turned out to be incredible. After following men and women for decades, it showed that if specifically men uh, used the sauna two to three times per week, for only 15 to 20 minutes for each session, it had an 18% reduction in the risk of fatal coronary heart disease. Really? And if you went four to seven times a week, it bumped it up to 20%. Now that's something they look for called dose dependent. When you're looking for a study to show that something is efficacious, that something works, that something is true, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of something will get you a little bit of X result a lot will get you a lot of X results. So that's one of the things they look for is that dose dependency. And that's going to come up later in this episode as well. And that's what we see with saunas. Four to seven times a week, uh, men who saunaed had a 60% reduction in risk for Alzheimer's. 
and other forms of dementia as well. So it helps with the plaques and tangles forming in your brain. There is something about exposing the body to extreme heat and extreme cold that is regenerative, restorative, and reparative. It also increases your lifespan. Okay, so you want to dive into why it's so beneficial, Lori, and and get into the science behind it? Yeah, especially the cold. I'm going to have to be convinced because I am I am repelled <laughs> by cold. I the heat. I'm all about the heat, and I have tried the cold That's shower business, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I just the cold shower thing is something that I would, I really will have to. I'm gonna. It's just something I would have to force myself to do. But I have a feeling that you're gonna have enough information thing. to that that I'm gonna be <laughs> compelled. So. Absolutely. And that's a good thing that you are actually repelled by the cold. And we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, But really interestingly enough, when it comes to the sauna, people, people first thought, okay, well, it increases your heart rate and it's basically a cardiovascular, cardiovascular exercise. You're sitting there, your heart is pumping as if you're getting moderate exercise. Essentially you're sweating. Everyone knows how good sweating is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so Uh Oh, But what they're really discovering now is there's an anti-inflammatory process that occurs when the body is exposed to extreme heat and extreme cold. Have you ever heard of cold shock proteins or heat shock proteins? Never. So these are compounds that your body manufactures within itself when you're exposed to extreme temperatures. These proteins are anti-inflammatory. They repair damaged muscles. They are extremely beneficial for recovery Uh, and rest, and just overall health and vigor. So anyone who's interested in this can look into Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She can explain this process much better than I. Uh, I just gave you an an easy framework there. But if you want to dive deeper, check out the work of Dr. Rhonda Patrick. This is life-changing stuff, incorporating these cold shock proteins and these heat shock proteins into your everyday life. Now, that brings me to the cold showers. There's no better way to induce cold shock proteins than to hop into a cold shower. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. Um, and and I, can, I can get you ways, I can tell you ways to ease into the process, but <laughs> cold showers are incredible. They're good for your energy. They're good for your mood. They're good for your skin, your hair, your mental acuity, your hormone health, your sex drive, your confidence, and more. It stimulates the cardiovascular system. It oxygenates your blood. And really, one of the secrets to cold showers, Lori, is that it induces basically an intense breathing exercise. Have you ever been shocked by cold and you find yourself going, or, or the repeated gas, you're basically, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I grew up in Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. You're you're doing, you're doing a yoga Wim Hof style power breath inadvertently. Mm -hmm. Someone Mm -hmm. who's done no breathing training can expose themselves to cold and instantly they're a yoga master as they begin oxygenating their blood breathing with the lower part of their lungs, which exchanges oxygen 20% better than the rest of your lungs, doing this breathing technique. So half of the cold is the cold temperatures and all the stimulation it does to your brain and your heart, but also your breathing, you're oxygenating your blood. It's a default Mm. breathing exercise and Mm. it is absolutely life-changing. Now for someone like you, I'd really recommend taking it slow. Start with your normal shower and see if you can do 30 seconds of cold before you get out or even cool move yeah. to cool and then work your way to cold that's kind of what i had to do yeah to yeah i tried that before that's what i had to try before i had to ease into it so i started out with my hot shower and then i would you know as i was nearing the end of my shower i'd be like all right let me see if i can just sort of ease myself into the into the cold zone <laughs> you know which i did it, yeah yeah but uh and then i i don't know no. i did that for a few days and then i gave it up <laughs> Now, now five minutes is optimal. You work your way up to five minutes. That's when you really start seeing benefits. But here's what I'm going to try to convince you to continue with. And this is the whole, this is a, this is a massive breakthrough. This is where the the shift really occurs. (laughs) There are studies that show that starting your day with a challenging task basically puts your mind in a default mode of accomplishment and challenge accomplishment and goal accomplishment. So it is incredibly beneficial. It's a confidence booster to start Mm -hmm. your day with something that is challenging, something you don't want to do, and something you go through with anyways. Studies show that you're more likely to do more tasks like that later in the day that you Mm -hmm. otherwise may have put off. 
increases Hmm. your energy, increases your confidence. It is absolutely a psychological exercise in Mm. doing something that you don't want to do because you know, A, it's good for you, but more importantly, B, because you should, because you're the master, because you own this universe, because you just got to do it. And once you do it, it is a complete mind state shifter. It is a game changer. So really, the fact that you're so repelled by it, if you can break (laughs) through that, you're going to see more benefits than anyone. I'm serious. That's, that is the biggest benefit that I've seen. All of this inflammation reduction aside, all of these heat shocks and cold shock proteins aside, just by getting in a cold shower because you don't want to in the morning, you will absolutely change your life. Damn you, Jordan River. Damn you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's true. But, I'm convinced. Hey, there's also other ways you can do it. If you live somewhere cold, I love to step out when it's snowy. I love to step out in my backyard in my underwear. I, for some reason, it's easier <laughs> to me than a cold shower. And you still get the cold benefits and you still get the psychological benefits. And your neighbors think you're insane. Um, but Ooh, if there's an yeah. easier way for you to do it, any way you can incorporate hot and cold. Now, I say cold showers because not everybody has a sauna in their house, right? right, um, right. Ideally, you're going from one to the other. But yeah. um, that's, that's really an easy shift make you, crank you that know, knob make yeah. that cold shower a routine yeah you know they do that uh in japan um we've been there a few times it's been a few years but one of the last times we went um our host took us to an onsen which is you know like a uh really nice Japanese spa up in the up in the mountains. And that's one of the things that that they do religiously up there is they go back and forth. Um, you you spend from like, snow uh, to the hot yeah, tub. yeah, yeah. So they go from the snow or they have the hot tubs that are literally outside w- while you're being snowed on and you're in the hot tubs. And then you go oh, inside shit. and you go right into um, into something cold. They have the cold water plunges that you can dip into or you can or you take like these little buckets and you turn them upside down and you sit on them and then you take another one and then you um, go by like a a big faucet type of thing and then you fill it with cold water and you pour that over you and you just go back and forth. And obviously um, they've known for centuries about the wonderful health benefits of that because it's just kind of like an ancient thing, tradition that they do there. Uh, And I just remembered that with you saying that, yeah. That's exactly right. And the Scandinavians do the exact same thing. I want to say I did an interview with someone a long time ago saying that these studies were showing specific um, efficacious results among the Scandinavians because they were accompanying it with the snow baths. I I don't know if I'm exactly getting that right, but that speaks exactly to your point. And you're right. These are ancient practices. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, modern science, when, when we first start discovering you know, applications in medicine and things like this, we discount the ancient wisdom. But really, when you look into it, there's real hard science behind things like meditation, things like uh, hot and cold therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, gratitude practices, like there's actually real hard science behind this stuff. So I think it's important not to lose sight of that. Yeah. And well, and you know, there's got to be when they stand the test of time like that over over hundreds, even thousands of years. It's not it's not because it's not working. Exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Japan have the uh, oldest overall population? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Okinawa has so, some of the, yeah. So maybe they know what they're doing. <laughs> I think so. I, I'm going to go with that. Uh, and I, I'm now, yeah, I'm, totally. cha- I'm sufficiently challenged and convinced, Jordan, you, you've you done it. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I have one last piece of advice. Uh, de- okay. Definitely start slow. Start with just ending your showers cool. Extend okay. that period. See if you can jump into cold. That's really what you're looking to do. But my last okay. piece of advice is have an accountability group. Find someone else who's, who's interested in taking cold showers and cold dips. Text mm-hmm. them and say, did you do yours today? Oh, I could only do mine for 30 seconds. That's mm-hmm. okay. It's better than nothing. Get in that accountability group. That really, really helps me with my cold training. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. All right. I've made myself a note. I'm doing it. And actually, I, I love everything you said because it isn't just – about the physical health benefits. It's, it's actually so much more. So talking about, um, you know, just what you did, what you talked about with being, being adaptable and being able to, uh, be okay. Yeah. Put you in the mindset. Yeah. 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 And and, you know, really we need that more than anything right now in this, in this COVID quarantine, it's Mm -hmm. showing who has, who has mental resilience. Yes. It's showing who has substantial character. 
And something as simple as a, and silly as a cold shower, you really might not think that it would make you that much more tough or resilient, but give it a try. You might be surprised. It really, really does something to you. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I'm all about it now. You have, you, you've pulled me over the line. I'm doing it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Now we move on to the uh, second shift. Definitely. We're ready. Okay. So this is a big one, Lori. This is the biggest one. I'm just going to say it because I think okay. it's the most overlooked aspect of our health and that's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I think that the importance of sleep is getting out in the mainstream a little bit but we still abuse it. We still don't give it the incredible credence that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let me, let me just try to quickly go through why it's so critical to our health. You know, obviously from our physical bodies, especially during deep sleep, early stages of sleep, muscle regeneration. This is, this is the time that we naturally reduce inflammation. Now here's that word inflammation again. Right. And I believe we yeah. talked about this on, on our coffee podcast. Yes. Really after speaking with dozens of doctors, they're all on the same page to an extent that inflammation either contributes to or is the root cause yeah. of almost all chronic disease. Yep. Now, that is a substantial sentence. This is inflammatory diets, you know, exercise, all of these things. Well, sleep is really when our body repairs and reduces that inflammation. So deep sleep disruption is going to result in aches and pains. It's going to result in fatigue, reduced uh, immune system, sickness eventually. Right. So that's really why it's so key to have that deep sleep. And then for our minds, especially during REM sleep, you know, uh, the later deeper stages of sleep, this is when our brain basically defragments. You know, it's a hard drive that is basically organizing thoughts and memories and beliefs on a subconscious level and disrupting that REM sleep as you, I'm sure anyone knows mm-hmm. who has gone a mm-hmm. while with poor sleep, you get mental fog, you get fatigue, you get mood issues, anxiety, yeah. depression, ir- irritability, paranoia. I mean, this is really, really serious stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, how about, you know, I get, I get some bad sleep and I'll just make up for it on the weekend. Well, that's really not the case they're finding out, Lori. What right. they're finding out is if you, if you chronically abuse your sleep, you are increasing your long-term risk for diseases, real horrible diseases like Alzheimer's, like Parkinson's, like dementia. And mm-hmm. this is something that they're just now discovering. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to make up for it on the weekend. This is the same thing as doing damage to your heart and having heart disease down the road. This is the same thing as drinking and having liver disease down the road. Mm-hmm. You need to treat your sleep like it is an absolutely critical part of your health and fitness. Yeah. And that's so interesting because even now, like you referred to earlier, um, there's so much conflicting information out there still. You can still find where, yes, you need, um, you know, your good solid seven to eight hours of quality sleep. And then you, at the same time, can find really, if it's quality, you only need four to five hours. And and so that's, I think, confusing for a lot right. of people. Be, you know, I mean, there's a lot of factors that and, and variables. Body. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you your age is right. Yeah. Right. And everyone's, everyone is built a little bit differently, um, really. And this is something that any doctor will tell you. And the latest study wants to come out with a, with a headline. Um, but the fact is some people can get by on four or five hours of sleep. It's just literally, it's, it's from what I understand, my limited understanding, it's genetics. This was mm-hmm. how they were built. The key is listening to your body and having wellness be the end goal. Wellness yeah. meaning you feel good. You don't have chronic disease. You're fit to a degree. You're strong to a degree. That is wellness. And that should be the end goal. <clears throat> so listen, I would love to break this down. My, my shifts in sleep thinking <laughs> in two categories. Let's do it. Stressors to avoid and things to improve. Does that sound okay. good? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with stressors to avoid. Um, okay. I just nailed one. And, and really, this is a whole group that I'm going to call psychoactives, really. Alcohol, cannabis, caffeine, especially late in the day. These things are not good for your sleep. Alcohol completely ruins your sleep. It's it's really, really, really bad for your sleep to drink before going to bed. Your body basically needs to detoxify the poison that is that alcohol um, before it it can begin going into these rhythms of deep sleep and REM and and back again. So really, alcohol you should avoid for hours before going to bed. 
cannabis mm-hmm. is an interesting one. And I'm getting into some touchy territory here, but I've, I, I've actually done a lot of podcasts on the subject and I can speak on this a little bit. Cannabis mm-hmm. is good for deep sleep. People with insomnia say, hey, I try cannabis. It, it helps me get to sleep. That's because it's good for deep sleep. It's good for falling asleep. But fact, THC disrupts your REM sleep. So mm. using cannabis for your deep sleep may not be the worst idea. But if you're smoking every night before bed, thinking you're doing yourself a favor, you're actually disrupting your REM sleep and you may want to give it a break or at least give it a couple hours before going to bed. Again, let your body process through that recreational uh, drug use and then you can actually get some sleep. I mean, hey, listen, we all have our vices, right? But you've Mm got to keep them in check. You can't let these vices ruin your sleep. I love coffee. But uh, I got to cut it off maybe three in the afternoon. I wish I could drink coffee later. And I do right. drink decaf. But right. caffeine will keep you up. You're going to have a hard time getting to sleep. And then you're going to get less sleep. It's just going to be no good. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. cut out that coffee. Uh, and again, people are different. Find your time. Stick to it with discipline. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's my first set of stressors. No, those are... It totally, I mean, I can relate to, I'm not a, I'm not a cannabis person. Um, so I can't relate to that one. Um, I know people that are, and I think, you know, states are coming online. It's like, right. Got to figure this out as well. And honestly, alcohol is, is, but that one. Yeah. If you have, you've got issues. That's really the one that can can do the worst and caffeine too late as well. Yeah. Both of those. Like if I I know if I decide I want to have like a a glass, one glass of wine or one cocktail at night, like while I'm winding down before bed, um, I rarely do it anymore because I know that even one is going to disrupt my sleep. I never get the same quality of sleep with even one. And, um, and I've, and I've been able to um, to verify that with this awesome sleep app. I started using it uh, a few months ago, and it is just spot on. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, tracking your sleep is a great way to learn more about your sleep. Absolutely, and I'm the same way. I'll, I'll yeah. end up I'll end up snoring. I almost never drink alcohol. I mean, honestly, just a couple times in the past few years. But when I do, I, I'll end up snoring at night. It completely ruins my sleep. Mm-hmm. And you know yeah. what? I don't want to scare people out here, but I had Dr. Stephen Hellshine on. He, ha- he does a lot in the, work of, in the world of sleep. And he said that snoring is basically a death sentence. And he oh. said that sleep apnea is, is basically the hidden killer. And I'm going to try to summarize what he said really quickly to help my listeners understand. Yeah. Sleep apnea is stemming from what he calls our diabetes problem in the United States diabetes and obesity running rampant. It turns out when your throat gets to a certain girth, mm-hmm. it's, it, it chokes off your airway, causes you to snore, causes you to have fits and starts throughout the night. That's sleep apnea. Yeah. And again, this is doing irreparable damage throughout the night. He said that snoring specifically, the vibrations damage the lining of your heart. So you're hmm. doing damage to your heart by snoring all night. Now this scared the crap out of me. He, he had to calm me down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm known to snore occasionally myself and, and my wife will be snoring and I'll wake her up. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he was playing it up a little bit, but it was interesting the way he was saying, it's not just the obesity, obesity, it's not just the sleep apnea. The act of snoring all night is really, really bad for you. So you got to lose that weight, get that mm-hmm. weight down if that is an issue for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the weight is oftentimes the cause of that. But I think too with alcohol, exactly. it, it's almost like if you drink, especially if it's a little bit excessive, um, it, it makes the passages swell. So your, your yeah. nasal passages, all of those, you know, passages that your breath has to come through, all they swell up. Ob- yeah. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's gotta be, uh, it's gotta be really yeah. detrimental to health. Totally. And coffee that's, like you, I'm the same way. I have to, yeah, I have to cut my coffee off at like, I'm pushing it. If I'm still sipping coffee at one o'clock, if I'm drinking coffee after one in the afternoon, it definitely, um, totally jacks up my sleep. It's yeah, got it's a no time maybe, maybe delayed effect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you may be a slow processor. Check out the Coffee Health and yeah. Science podcast. There's a great episode on caffeine um, processing. But I'll tell you, the worst one for me, Lori, is screen time. I, I'm really mm-hmm. a screen addict. And looking at this blue light from your screen late mm-hmm. into the night, it tricks your body into thinking that the sun is still up. It disrupts your circadian rhythms. It completely throws you off. 
and it's mm-hmm. no good for your sleep. I love online poker, as you know. Yeah. So I, when I'm up all night, I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, you're not going to sleep well tonight. And really, that is the case. You need to put down the screens, avoid them as much as you can. Um, if you have, uh, if you have to wake up to an alarm, try a manual egg timer, things like that, or even mm-hmm. a digital clock. Anything's better than popping on that iPhone and getting that uh, blue light and that stimulation. Are you a late night screen watcher like mm-hmm. me? I am not. That's one thing that that's easy for me. I shut my computer down for the most part. Oh, rare. Yeah. Rare occasion. Unless there's something that is like, oh, my gosh, I've got a deadline. I've got to get this done, whatever. But that is so, so rare. I usually am done on my computer by dinner time, and I don't look at it again until the next day, late morning. Oh, even. Yeah. So so yeah, my my yeah, book. Yeah. My my. Yeah, my sleep bookends, as I call them, right before I go to sleep, the last thing I'm looking at is a book I read. And then usually that's when I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is read a few pages out of a book before I jump into my day. So I'm, I don't have the screen, uh, the blue light screen issue for me. It's, that's an easy one. Thank God. So obviously cutting it out is good. You can also get light correcting glasses and there are even light correcting apps that I recommend people do. But I love what you said about the books. My next point written down here is people really need to treat their, their late night minds like a temple. Um, yep. You really don't yep. want any stimulating content. Even if you are reading a book or, you know, avoiding the screens, don't go for a horror book. No. Don't go for, or, you know, even the thrillers really, really let the end of the day reflect nature, you know, things coming to an end, you know, calmness, tranquility, quiet. That's really what it, what it should be about. Don't listen to a, uh, uh, you know, real crime murder podcast right. right before bed. I really recommend right. that you treat, you treat your mind with care in those late hours. So I yeah. like your bookends. Yeah, no. And it's always, I got to start to end the day and start the day with, for me, it's some sort of spiritual reading and that puts my brain and my mind and, you know, just my whole being in the right place for falling asleep and then waking up and starting the day. So that's, yeah, that that's my jump. But a lot of people fall asleep. They can't fall asleep without a TV on. And I think that that is just, you know, it's the same thing. You've got the light, you've got the sound, you, you know, whatever really the noise and stuff is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that used to be me. And and really, you need to have the discipline to cut that out. I'm here to tell you, I've spoken with many, many doctors. It's not good for your health. Treat your sleep like it is precious, because mm-hmm. it absolutely is. So we've talked about the things to avoid. Let's move on to things to improve. I'm just going to run through a couple really tactile, uh, you know, just simple things to do. Blackout curtains, controlling light, sleep masks. This is very important. People think that, oh, you know, I'll just sleep while the sun is beating on my eyelids. You will improve your sleep quality and you will sleep to your fullest when you can black out that sun and really let your body rest to its fullest potential as long as possible. Because we usually don't go to bed at sundown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting, Lori. People used to sleep differently. Anyone yeah. Can Google, um, yeah. Anyone can Google how people used to sleep. The old circadian rhythm. People would wake up in the middle of the night and have their second meat or whatever it was called and, and like a dinner <laughs> And like socialize at like 1 a.m. and then go back to bed. Like the way we sleep is not really the way we've been doing it for a long time, surprisingly. So you want to maximize what you can, black out sleep as hard as you can for as long as you can, get on a rhythm. Uh, yeah. Really routine is key. Going to sleep and waking up at the same time will change your sleep quality for the better drastically. Yeah. Lower the temperature in your bedroom. Some yep. doctors recommend as cold as 62 to 68 degrees. Are you mm-hmm. sleeping in 62 degrees, Lori? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not on purpose. No, like a, my like 66 is good. Yeah, 66 is good. I like it nice and cool. Like 66 is good for me as long as I have the right kind of covers. I got to be warm in my bed. I can't be cold, but the room can be cold as long as I'm, you know, toasty warm in under my covers, but not too hot. So your body <laughs> your body naturally drops its temperature. And again, that helps a lot with the inflammation reduction process. If you are in a room that is too hot, uh, your body just won't drop as low as it should, as fast Mm. as it should, and you're not going to get the same recovery. So again, chill out that room. Um, Any way you can make your sleep uninterrupted, for instance, a a box fan or a noise maker, those are always good. Uh, Uninterrupted sleep, very important. And then swinging back to what you said, 
gratitude ritual before bed. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, it'll absolutely, absolutely change your life. Meditation before bed, breathing exercise before bed, mm-hmm. a couple of yoga poses. I mean, I, I you know, just go yeah. through a couple that, you know, um, yep. if you start doing that three, seven, 10 days into doing that every day, you're, you're going to notice a major difference in your, well, let's just say everything. It's, you're going to notice it in your mood. You're going to notice it in improvement of sleep and energy and relationships and all over. Really, that's what it's about, Lori. Mm-hmm. Integrating, right? Integrating your health and fitness and your spirituality and all of these things and, and synergizing everything. And really, sleep is a huge, huge part of that. So I, yeah. that's, that's all I have for today on sleep. And finally, I'll, I'll say you can look into supplements. Uh, again, this is, this is more going by how your body feels, talking to your doctor, things like magnesium. Um, melatonin has good and bad reviews. I'd research that mm-hmm. CBD, very promising. Um, so I, I would say do more research, but you can mm-hmm. supplement your sleep naturally as well. Right. Right. So I agree. I like that. I recommend you shift your sleep. And listen, I didn't say more sleep. Ideally you get enough sleep. You get as much sleep as you can, but these are simple shifts. Clean up your sleep hygiene, get rid of the bad stuff, boost your sleep however you can and make the most of it. It will change your life. Yeah, I think so too. It's so important. And you know what? You you know how, you know it's good. You know it's quality if you wake up and rather than wishing you could stay in bed longer, you're like, I can't wait to get up. You, you're ready yeah. for the day. You're ready to start. When you, when you have that mindset and that attitude where you're like, oh, I'm so excited to get up and start my day, you know you've probably had a good quality sleep. If, if you're like still wanting to just pull the covers over your head, um, you, know, you, you, may, you may have had a crappy night's sleep. You may have some other things going on in your life that you just don't want to face the day. But I think you know, when it comes to just how rested you feel, like if you feel like, no, I need more sleep, then yeah, you probably need more sleep and you need to make some changes. It's tough, Lori, because I was like that every single day. There might be some people listening who know this feeling where you wake up every day and you're dragging ass and you get through the days, but literally it's like you feel like you're in a zombie body. You feel heavy and drained and tired and dull and and fatigued and kind of stupid. Um, And I'm here to tell you, you get back what you put in. And, mm-hmm. and if you make a commitment to change that, you can. You just have to do the research. You just have to put forth the effort. Put that mm-hmm. work into your, into your yeah. sleep. It's not normal to walk around like that. No. You can fix it if you take responsibility and you take action for it. So that's, that's what I'm here to say. Yep. I concur, Jordan. <laughs> All day. <laughs> so there's my there's my riff on sleep and again do your best Lori. i was up last night late playing poker and i got to get back on it tonight because i because you know we're all human right uh-huh. but you do your best where you can and there and there is uh there's my riff on sleep and why it's okay. so important i like it I like it. I, well, you know what? Before we move on, one quick question about that. Um, I was watching something or reading something. I can't remember which um, recently and was talking about um, chronotypes, like different types of people that are like early birds and some people are night owls. You know, there's just certain. Yeah, yeah. That was um, certain, that was pioneered yeah. by Dr. Bruce, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. That that was it. Okay. That was it. So I'm glad I'm glad you bring this up. I, I would say I recommend um, obviously. Subscribe to the Coffee, Health, and Science podcast. We have an episode on sleep by Dr. Stephen Helshine. Um, it's a great resource. Uh, another great resource for sleep is, I believe his first name is Michael. Dr. Michael Bruce? I'm going to say Dr. Bruce, and it's a weird spelling. Yeah. It's like B-R-E-U-S-S, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bruce. Yes, um, yeah. He's wonderful, isn't he? He's, he's yeah. really great. I love him. It, totally. Yeah, and, and it exactly is, like I remember. Right. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember, I think you've got the spelling right, because I remember thinking it was like Dr. Seuss, only it's Dr. Bruce. I think that's... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so he, he made uh, the different kind of personnel classifications of sleep types. And there's like the, the dolphin who is like up and down. And there's the night yeah. owl and there's the wolf. I think I was the wolf, which is like all over the place, basically. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm like the one that was right. 
it, yeah. I and I think the one in the middle, not an early bird, but not a night owl, was like a hummingbird, and I was like, "That's me right there. That's me, totally right. the hummingbird." Anyway, they're kind of fun, um, listeners. If you get a chance to look into that, um, do check it out. Yeah, so Dr. and Bruce then yeah, great. He's, he's fantastic yeah. in the field of sport. Yep. All right. So coffee. We want to move on to coffee. Oh, yeah, that's right. Gave away the last one. Here we go. The final okay. shift. This is an easy shift. It requires it requires nothing except for drinking better, more delicious coffee. So you've heard of, of my interest in coffee. Okay, I'll call it an obsession. You've heard of my obsession yeah. with coffee. Yeah. I've been on this show before. I, yep. I am in the coffee industry. I have a podcast all about it. Can't get enough coffee. But there's a disclaimer here. What we're talking about now and generally what we're talking about on my show, unless we speak otherwise, uh, we're talking about high quality coffee. We're talking about coffee as a medicinal herbal beverage medicine, basically. This is organic coffee. This is not instant, robusta, pesticide-filled, pre-ground, bullcrap store-bought coffee, okay? We're talking about the medicinal brew that is high-quality organic coffee. And that is truly a natural superfood. Organic coffee is loaded with antioxidants far more than anything else in the Western diet. Mm-hmm. And a ton of, ton of other healthy compounds that we really don't even know why they're so beneficial. Things like, you know, plant lipids and uh, different alcohols, different acids, malic acid, citric acid, melanoidins, hundreds and hundreds of compounds that are created, altered, and destroyed depending on how you grow, roast, and process coffee. It is infinitely complex. It is infinitely interesting. But what we do know is that medium roast organic coffee is a powerful anti-inflammatory. It is, its disease prevention properties are unrivaled. There's really nothing like it out there. There Mm -hmm. are multitudes of studies, decades and decades worth, showing that it prevents many different types of cancers and really many different, wildly different diseases. Can I share a couple quick numbers with you and your audience right now? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that, you know, generally speaking, in uh, especially in America, we're predominantly coffee drinkers, to the best of my knowledge. Um, they're tea drinkers, too. But I think since, you know, most people drink coffee, if not on a regular basis, semi-regularly. So I think sharing a few um, quick numbers is, is always helpful. It's the number. Americans are big time coffee drinkers. Now, tea has its own place. There's actually some really great medicinal compounds in tea as well, but tea doesn't have close to the wide variety of disease prevention that coffee does. So I'm going to share with you some studies and these are real. I mean, these are real. They're they're not even studies. They're meta studies. They're compiled studies upon studies, studying people who drink coffee versus those who don't and the the diseases they get. So right here, I'm reading back in the study in 2002, there's up to a 30% reduction of Parkinson's, risk of Parkinson's, if you drink three to five cups of coffee a day. That's important Mm -hmm. if you have a family history of this. 30%, I mean, listen, I'm a poker guy. That's a big number right there. Yeah. Uh, 24 to 40% decreased risk for type 2 diabetes. Again, the diabetes epidemic in our country, you can really fight it with coffee. Uh, There is a 30% – sorry – 30% decreased risk of congestive heart failure. It's good for your heart. 22 to 25% reduced uh, risk of stroke. 15% reduced risk of prostate cancer. Here's a wild one. 65% reduction of Alzheimer's risk. So Mm. Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, they're all similar in that they form these things called plaques and tangles in the brain. And they think that coffee basically works against these plaques and tangles. 65% reduction. I mean, that's, that beats some medical pharmaceuticals. If you have a family history of Alzheimer's, you need to switch to drinking high quality organic coffee and you need to be drinking three to five cups a day for sure for your health. And I've always, I've always said, I work with purity coffee. They have the highest standards that I've ever seen. I would love for you to switch to purity coffee, promo code podcast for 10% off. Mm -hmm. But Honestly, I just want you to switch to something organic that you will drink and something that makes you feel good. That's the key here. If you don't like purity, fine. What you need to do is get off of the instant, get off of the Starbucks. Sorry, it's it's not good. Those pesticides are working against you. That non-organic stuff is not good. Get on the good stuff 
And uh, this is really important disease reduction. I mean, you don't want to be coming down with Alzheimer's because you didn't sleep right and you didn't drink high quality coffee or, or enough of it. Yeah. And, and of course, there's a there's a massive improvement in liver health, a 40 percent decrease in risk of liver cancer. And quickly, I want to share a story that Dr. Sanjeev Chopra shared on my podcast. Mm-hmm. He is he was the he was the dean of ongoing education at Harvard Medical. So he would teach the Harvard doctors who are coming through, you know, how to be mm-hmm. a doctor. I guess. Yeah. He would take yeah. on this round. He would he would show off his knowledge, you know. Um, and, and basically teach them, teach them how to, how to operate. So one of the, one of the things he would do was he, he noticed that he was working in, he's a liver specialist, right? He was working in the field of liver disease and you'd get all of these heavy drinkers that would come in and they would drink and drink and drink and they would get liver disease. But interestingly enough, none of them were coffee drinkers. And he would always have his students note if someone came in with liver, liver disease, which was a heavy coffee drinker, and it virtually never happened. So he said, listen, don't take this as an excuse to just drink as much as you can because mm-hmm. alcohol is bad for a lot of parts of your body. It's bad for your brain. It's bad for your heart. Mm-hmm. But those who drink heavy coffee along with their alcohol basically protected their liver against the toxic damage that they were putting against it. It's Interesting. It was mind-blowing. It's, it's wow. literally a liver and blood protectant. Wow. It is wild. And again, this is coming from a Harvard doctor. Yeah. Saying this. So it's it's very, very real. There's been some damage done to coffee's reputation, uh, but we need to take this seriously because it can re- it can reduce all sorts of diseases. Plus, it's enjoyable uh, and it has all those other wonderful benefits of making you more productive, increasing reaction time, cognitive function. It's great pre and post workout. It is truly a superfood. It's the superfood that we've been looking for. All yeah. those all those uh, doc- all those Dr. Oz commercials. Um, mm-hmm. what he's really been looking for is, is coffee, real yeah, the, healthy yeah. organic coffee, three to five cups a day, Change the it. right, the right kind. Yeah. I'm all about it too. You know, we had a whole podcast, you and I about this a couple months back. Um, cause I agree. It's so important. And, um, listeners really get this, the, it's not just coffee. It's the right kind of coffee. It has to be the, the best quality organic coffee that you can possibly manage to keep in your cupboards. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. I love, I'm a fan of purity too. I order it by those big, what are they? Five pound bags. Um, yeah, you run the five pounds. Yeah. 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 We have, yeah, it's, it's and, and awesome. I can, I can actually, I can actually get into why I'll, I'll, I'll keep it brief for this, but there's, there's really, there's really different levels to how you produce anything really, but especially when it comes to big ag and food products. So if you're organic certified coffee, I know it's different for other foods. If you're organic certified coffee, you're not using harmful pesticides and you're not using synthetic fertilizers. That's generally what it means. And then there's also storage practices and things like that. What's really interesting is when you get into regeneratively farmed. And I really hope to put in some work to bring some knowledge to regenerative farming and maybe a certification to regenerative farming. And what regenerative farming is, is you're tending to the microbial and fungal life in the soil. So it's very similar to organic in that you're not adding synthetic fertilizers, which knocks back that wonderful soil biology. And you're also not applying pesticides, which knocks back that biology. But you might not be doing things like composting, applying compost tea, um, bird-friendly practices to bring wildlife back, which carry seeds and bring the natural ecosystem. So basically, there's these different levels all the way up to regenerative farming and permaculture. Um, And and I Mm -hmm. really want to be a force for letting people recognize these different levels and you know, being able to pay that extra price for something that's good for the planet, good for their body, you know what went into it. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and I was just, for, I was just fortunate enough to be down on these farms, Lori, in Colombia, just uh-huh. a few short weeks ago. Um, and it's incredible what they're doing with the regenerative farming. So again, purity yeah, coffee, yeah. I stand by because no one does it like them, but find something you like, find something that makes you feel good and healthy at minimum. It's gotta be organic. Yeah, I agree. At minimum, it has to be. Um, Okay. How about people that uh, like, for example, 
chocolate covered coffee beans. <laughs> can can you get the same effects for people that just can you just eat coffee beans? I mean, do you? So what I know there's there? some effects. I, I I actually want to I want to defer to a future episode. I'm going to do. I'm actually okay. working on a purity coffee steak rub right now. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of de- there's a lot of like DIY food stuff going on with the quarantine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I whipped up some purity coffee steak rub. I'm going to perfect the recipe and release it to the social media followers. Anyways, uh, I want to do a whole episode on eating coffee and the health differences. So I can't okay. speak specifically on the differences, but I do know that there are some health properties, yes, to consuming coffee like that. Okay. Because, yeah, and, and I'm just... I don't want to give you permission to just eat candy, but I want to yeah. say that... Uh, you know, dark chocolate has some good health problems right. too, right? Right, right. So if that it's a good quality, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A good quality dark chocolate, because that's where you're going to have more of the antioxidants. There are no, none left in milk chocolate. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, but no, the milk chocolate, oh, no. there, there, there is not one health benefit in milk chocolate. So let's just, you know, <laughs> make sure everybody knows that. If you're going to have it, just enjoy it for what it is, but you're not getting any like health <laughs> benefits out of it, you know, whatever. But right. but a good quality dark, dark chocolate, um, the dark darker the better mixed with maybe a good coffee bean that that might be like a, a kind of a nifty snack so you're gonna have to keep me posted on that um what you've got coming yeah, up you're speaking my language too yeah i've been eating coffee on my steaks and let me tell you it's been wonderful Oh, that is intriguing. All right. I'm definitely gonna have to circle back around about that one so very oh, cool coffee rub all day Okay, so let's touch on yeah you want to touch on one more final tip for on coffee do you remember what it's supposed to be? Caffeine. I'll give, I'll give, well, we talked about the caffeine though, right? Benefits and minor detriments. Okay. Is um, there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, we talked about the disruption in sleep and, and I, yep. I also just quickly wanted to touch on the health differences. You, you, interestingly enough, lose some health benefits in decaf coffee. Okay. So here's an interesting thing, Lori. Here's, this is really fascinating. If you drink monster energy drink or you take no-dose pills, you get mm-hmm. zero health benefits as far as right. disease, disease prevention. Yeah. Go figure. Who would have thought no-dose doesn't <laughs> prevent dementia? Um, <laughs> if you drink coffee with all of its wonderful phenols and CGAs and you remove the caffeine, you get very, very little protection from dementia. But if you leave the caffeine in coffee, There's some sort of synergy that takes place between the hundreds of compounds I mentioned earlier and caffeine, which results in this massive, you know, 65% reduction in brain disease, uh, 65% reduction in Alzheimer's and 30% in Parkinson's. So there's something going on that we really don't understand. And you're not going to get it from drinking monster energy drink. And you're also not going to get it from decaf. So you got to drink that caffeinated, uh, again, Mm -hmm. far enough away from your bedtime. But uh, there's something really, really magical about caffeine being very, very good for you in mm-hmm. the context of coffee. Okay. I like it. Okay. So here's the final what tip. What were you referring to? Yeah. <laughs> what, what did I miss? Nappuccino. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Nappuccino. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is a good one. Okay. Um, and then this is, this, is, this is a tough one for some people to master. So if you ruin a nap... You, you might, might take a second to get the hang of it. Don't hate on me for it. Here's what a nappuccino is. <laughs> okay. Basically, if you're the type of person who likes to take a 15 or 20 minute nap, you can time caffeine consumption to where you drink your cappuccino right before you go to sleep, like moments before going to sleep. Lay down, see if you can get into a sleep state. 15 or 20 minutes later, the caffeine really starts coming on as you're waking up and you wake up in a, into a caffeinated state. It is wonderful if you Hmm. time it right it it Mm -hmm. is basically the best nap that you'll ever have and you come out of it like a rocket super super uh good tip for productivity and again if you can get on a schedule especially and you're that you're that type of person who can do 20 minute naps not like a three hour napper uh Mm -hmm. this is for you the nappuccino you can google it i didn't come up with it it's Uh it's uh you know it's like a social media phenomenon but my gosh when you time it right i can attest to it it is wonderful to wake up in a caffeinated state yeah, so it's it's all in the timing. I mean, I'm not a napper, so I this would not this 
I, I just, I can't sleep in the middle of the day. I'm just, I'm just not a napper. I never have been, but uh, there, a lot of people are. So this is a great suggestion, but it's really critically important that they time it just right. Is that right? They got to have it. Yeah, and then because, keep, yeah. right before yeah. they lay down. lay down. Okay. Right, exactly. Cause if it starts kicking in, then you're not going to get into your sleep state and it's still good to have that rest, but really time it right to where you're falling asleep before the caffeine is kicked in and wake up in that caffeinated state. It's, Hey, what better time to try it than, uh, the COVID right. quarantine, right? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And I guess, don't you think it's interesting though, Lori, that everyone is examining their habits right now. Like mm-hmm. all of these social media posts are, don't do this, you know, limit your exposure to, to frightening news. Do do this, you know, uh, do, mm-hmm. get the exercise going at home, get your home gym going. Everyone's really, because they, they can so closely examine what they're doing throughout the day, they right. are reconsidering their habits and behaviors more than ever in my yeah. lifetime, I feel. Yeah. Now, I agree. I've um, said a, a few times that this this whole situation has created an opportunity for a massive reset, you know, personally, for people personally, professionally, you know, um, just just across the globe. So uh, it is interesting and it's going to be interesting to see once things kind of return to, you know, um, I, I, I hate to use the word normal, but once they go back to, you know, no restrictions, let's just say that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how people's lifestyles have um, maybe changed for the better because of yeah. this forced um, stop, this forced slowdown yeah. and stop almost. Yeah. Really interesting. Definitely. Well, cool. use it for a time to get to sleep, folks. That's what I recommend. Sleep in yeah. and have some sleep. coffee, some healthy coffee when you wake up. Yeah. Yeah, get your cold shower, get your coffee, get your cold shower. You can start with it warm, right? And then move into cool and cold. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And uh, I'm going to increase it, it each day. Uh, yeah. Well, good luck, yeah. Lori. I'll be texting you. I'll ask you if you took your cold shower. And, do it. Uh, yeah, you could be my accountability partner. Just, yeah, please. Check in, on, check in on me. It. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, that, that wraps it then, Perfect. Lori. Coffee, Health, and Science podcast, obviously. Um, everyone go subscribe. Great stuff over there. Dr. Sanjeev um, from Harvard Medical has a great episode on handling this coronavirus quarantine. Go yeah. check it out, everyone. Perfect. Excellent info and suggestions as always. Jordan, thank you again. And uh, I know we'll be talking again soon. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with me and Jordan today. In case you missed it, also, Jordan was here a couple months back. Um, He shared some of the miraculous health benefits of coffee, even more than what you just heard now. Uh, We spent a whole hour just talking about coffee, and it's fascinating. So if you missed it, check out episode 69. Um, He was here uh, a couple weeks ago, too, talking about life. Life book. Oh, yeah, life book. It's so, so good. So uh, episode 74 and 75, if you missed those, go back and check those out as well. Um... That's about it today. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet. And please take a quick minute to rate this episode if you found it valuable. I would be very appreciative. Make sure to spread this good shift around by sharing it with your friends. And until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay healthy. Stay caffeinated. Go make some epic shift happen in your life. That goes for you too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.